Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. And I'm joined by the regular rugby crew. The boys are back together. They've, they've settled their beef, which is great to see. Uh, joined by Westy and Sam. Uh, yeah, some very positive rugby news to talk about, which is fantastic. Uh, before we're that, as always, glad to be back. We'll check in with the lads. Westy, you're back. You've got a haircut. How, how are you? Yeah, um, on Thursday, I lost about two stone in weight. Um, cut a good five or six inches off my hair, shaved my beard. Um, preparing for... My summer coat has come in, let's put it that way. <laughs> You've um, shed. You've just shed. Yeah. Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, had a good weekend. Um, my niece was up for her first Connacht game. Uh, she had a great time, although she wanted to leave after five minutes, but we soon distracted her and she was up for staying. Um, and then, yeah, weather was lovely here in Galway yesterday. Went, in for, went to the sea for the first sea swim of the year. Um, so, yeah, hoping to keep that up as, uh, as the months go on. Is she now a lifelong Connacht fan? Yeah, yeah, we had a jersey for her and everything when she arrived up on Saturday. Um, so, yeah. Uh, any we get her up now. We just promise to be to the playground and more and more after the game. That's the new bargaining chip. And also sit on your shoulders. Uh, so if anyone yeah, wants to watch we, the game from a better vantage point, just sit on West's shoulders. Yeah, it's uh, okay. There's only there's just some weird podcaster guy behind me. It didn't matter what he could see or not. I was lurking. I was lurking in the shadows. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Sam, how are you? How was your weekend? Great. Sun was shining Friday and Sunday. Managed to get two rounds of golf in just to finish off the Easter holidays. I'd been sick. For the middle portion of these trials, I had a wedding on the Thursday and then a stag on the following Saturday and then was kind of down sick until last Thursday. So managed to just get out and enjoy the last couple of days of the Easter holidays. Went to the match with you blokes Saturday, which was absolutely brilliant. And then rewatched it Sunday, got out for a round of golf Sunday afternoon. So yeah, can't complain. Now back in work today, feeling the effects of, you know, not doing any any of my planning or preparation for the two weeks I had off and kind of getting in this morning be like I really have to put something together now uh, very quick but no thank god I did a bit of planning in September and had the year kind of sussed but uh, no yeah great great weekend and uh, it's a shame about the other results in the league I was hoping it would be like a perfect kind of kind of situation but actually put put the pressure on ourselves really with the the other results Look, we can't be we can't be picky as college fans. We're okay. We're in sixth place. Let's let's just let's just remind ourselves of that. But we need to focus on uh, our results, not hope about any other results. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, so we the week off. I was in Portugal. Uh, my mate Stag was on, and then I stayed with Stag himself uh, for two extra nights and played a bit of golf, uh, which was great. The Stag was was tough. Uh, I was in the depths of depression on Sunday. Uh, I was saying to my girlfriend, if, if there was a flight home Sunday that I could have got for like no no fee, I would have definitely flown home. Uh, but I'm glad to stay. The weather was class. Uh, golf was good. My mate, the stag, had a hole-in-one uh, on the, the last day, which is really ing- First one I've ever witnessed. I, I couldn't believe it with my eyes. Um, and what a way to, way to finish off his stag. So, uh, oh yeah, I meant to say. So one of the lads on stag, uh, Rorke, I, I don't know if he, sometimes he listens, uh, Shane O'Rourke. Westy, he's a huge fan of yours. Huge fan of yours. Uh, he listens to podcasts all the time. He's like, oh, I love Westy, man. Westy, Westy this, Westy that. Uh, Sam, we didn't say he wasn't a fan of yours, but he just didn't really mention you. So I don't know if he... If <laughs> sounds, he like just... he, sounds like me and Rorke got beef. <laughs> sounds like this guy doesn't like me. Maybe, maybe. But uh, the running joke... Yeah, I'm, I'm, this the got beef that I'm a vegetarian. I ain't fucking scared I of him. I ain't fucking scared of him, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the running joke of the week was anytime me and Rourke were talking at the end, we'd always go, and of course, Westy. That was the running joke of the week because he wanted, he wants to come on the podcast. Uh, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I'm everyone's favourite old curmudgeon, you know. 
You are. You are. Um, there was a cruel irony that happened at the weekend uh, for me uh, yesterday, really, as and you guys are sitting here looking at it. I got sunburned yesterday. Um, I was in Portugal for five days. The sun was splitting stones. It was beautiful. Didn't get sunburned. And I went to Renville yesterday for an hour with my girlfriend and got absolutely cooked alive. For like an It was an hour max we were out in the sun. Uh, it was strong. But look, at, I'm going to have a sick tan probably tomorrow or or maybe maybe Thursday. I'm going to be bronzed. Wesley, you're looking at that armor. You're looking at, hey, like that's pretty red, but God, it's sculpted, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the definition alone of the red line is very impressive. <laughs> Honestly, you couldn't draw more of a perfect line around my it's like It's like a meme. It's like that meme of a person sunburned, you know, where it's like pasty white and then like jam red kind of. Like a candy cane, like. Yeah, it is. I'm going back to my farmer tan roots, man. You know what I mean? Never forget. Never forget. Did you uh, see? No, that's what happened. You saw the Cavan football team in the sports ground, and you were like, "My roots, my roots are there." Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I was in watching. Right? We'll get to the, we'll get get to the game now, but uh, well, like twenty minutes before kickoff, uh, the senior Cavan GA team just strolls on by, goes to the corner of the pitch. No idea why they were there. Uh, I know they're playing next weekend in Ulster against Armagh. I don't know if they're how up good for like would a train. How good would it be if they had brought them out as the minis at half time? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Or I just I was hoping one of them might spot me because I know I'd know one or two to see and be like, What the hell are you doing here? And I'd be like, same question goes to you. What the hell are you doing here? Uh I'm season ticket holder, thank you very much. Uh but yeah, so best luck to them next weekend. I hope they hope they did the job. But uh, if anyone is involved or knows why they were up, please let me know because I was very confused. But anyway, alas, lads, good to be back after a week off, and we have a fantastic result to talk about. Connacht had the pressure on themselves to deliver a bonus point win, and they only went and bloody done it, lads. 38 points to 19 over Cardiff. Double scored them. Um, a five-try route, uh, and fairly comfortable overall. We we did have a little 10-50 minute patch in the second half. We'll get to uh, where we were a little bit. Six tries, was it, Westy? Oh wow, God, we are we are spoiling ourselves. Um, URC website always gets the tries wrong for some reason. Uh, but yeah, uh, overall very co- comfortable in the day. The Westie, pretty much exactly what the doctor ordered. We wanted a bonus point win. We got it. We wanted it to be fairly comfortable. We got it, uh, and we kept our place in six in the URC. So, and, and a great send off also for players, which we we'll get to too. But overall, pretty perfect evening in the, in the sports ground. Yeah, yeah, pretty good even. Um, it had been pee and rain all day, which was great. It kind of it- died down for the game at least for the majority of it um, got after a really good start really good you know pressure applied by us straight into this you know it's been a lot of the game kind of camped in the card of half and I'd say if anything you know even after the first first two tries after the yellow card we'd spent quite a lot of time in their I say in their half and not necessarily kind of um, capitalised every time you know we kept the same pressure on them um, but I think they scored the second the first time they got into our 22 really so it was um for a long time, it felt like a game that could go either way. Um, even at the start of the second half, um, they had you know those periods of kind of same pressure. So um, they'd started a really good team. They are a really good team. Um, obviously, everything kind of in the background of Welsh rugby has been a little bit um, not resolved, but has kind of, in theory, been resolved for the time being. So um, they were in a pretty strong position and they came to play and they really put the pressure on us. And, um, we were just, you know, we were just really on form, and I think it was a real, um, real kind of dogged team effort. Like we lost, we lost Jared Butler very early on, and and Bundy went off. I think for a HIA or a blood sub, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we've bemoaned quite often 
um, that an early change, especially somebody like Butler, can often derail a Connacht team. Um, but the fact that Hurley Langdon first off came on and played so well, and second off that the the team itself, it you know, it didn't look like we missed a beat when it, our player went off. It it shows a lot of progress in kind of those little strange areas that we tend to bemoan times times like this, where as say somebody integral goes off early and we're not prepared for it and things start to wobble and we lose our shape and, and, and pressure piles on. But no, we we adjusted really well to it. I'd say Bundy was off at the time as well. Um, and we only go and score a try um, pretty soon after. So um, I think it was really a really promising, a really strong performance from the team. Really good to keep our home record intact as it was. Um, a massive crowd at the sports ground and a really, a really big occasion. You know, a lot, a lot of a lot of we have eight players out the door and we've got two coaches out the door so it was a really good send off I think for everyone involved absolutely it was uh, let's talk about a few performances Sam we have to go to Bundy obviously straight off the bat just because it's been the big news story for the past couple of months um, we wanted a certain type of performance at the weekend we were talking before the game we got exactly what we wanted didn't we performance wise with the ball got exactly what we wanted defensively we got what we wanted one or two penalties that were maybe harsh on him but I think yeah he probably just little over eager but we got what we needed from him attitude wise it's we've spoken and we've kind of bemoaned a lack of leadership the last couple of weeks Bundy when he's on song like that playing for us playing for the shirt playing with his heart in his sleeve is the the leading from the front type of player that we need and that Wesley you've spoken about Paul O'Connell being that type of player I think that Bundy does the same for us you know he was integral in a lot of the good stuff that was happening he was solid defensively he was bringing a, a intensity that we have missed a couple of times this season and in the last couple of years, you know, when he's been more involved with Ireland, we have missed that abrasiveness that he brings. And then to see him fist bumping when that, I know it was a penalty try, but I'm calling it his try to see him, you know, fist bumping, celebrating, celebrating with Marmo when he scored his try. There was, it just, there was a, a whole sense of relief I felt anyway. And I think that the crowd felt just about like, this is our Bundy and this is the Bundy that we've, we've missed and we've wanted to see. And, I don't think anyone's been critical of Bundy. Well, I hope people haven't been critical of Bundy because they think that he he has some sort of attitude or he thinks he's too good for Connacht because I actually think it's the complete opposite. I think that people have been critical of Bundy because they've just wanted the Bundy that we know and love to be there and be more available for Ireland or for Connacht. And because he's been with Ireland so much, he's not been around. And then obviously he had an eight-week ban this year. He's going to pick on up Knox playing for Ireland, playing so much as he does and going on the Lions tour. It was just, it was so good. It was such a such a nostalgic kind of punch in the face to have him back playing at that level. And yeah, he got man of the match. And I think he got man of the match because the story, you know, allowed for him to get man of the match. Personally, one of the forwards probably deserved man of the match overall. I thought that everyone was excellent, but you're looking at a game that, you know, Cardiff went 6-2 split and you're looking at a game where they wanted to win the forwards and our forwards didn't allow them. Niall Murray was sensational. Hurley Langdon, like Wesley said, he came on. For Jared Butler, and I'm seeing he's the highest number of tackles with 26, and their highest number of tackles, Thomas Young, with 15. Like that's that's a monumental shift from a player there. So I do think, like I think Bundy was the good story, and I think he deserved it for the overall effect he had on the game. But the forwards won it, and I think a couple of those forwards, like maybe Connor Oliver as well, kind of uh, Nan Murray, Josh Murphy, uh, can start to kind of, could kind of look at it. Go, I think RT just wanted to interview him more than I actually deserved. But I thought, yeah. It was so refreshing to have him back, to see him like that, to see him geared up for it. And it gives me such belief going to Glasgow next week because if you have Bundy, Farrell on song like that, you know, I I think anything's possible with the background with Carty, Bundy. It was a try, it was Blade, Carty, Bundy, Mac. And you're looking at that going, that's the core. That's the four lads you want in your back line. Everything else around them can fit in. But those are our big lads for next season and for the next couple of years. So, yeah, it was, it was just so good to have him back. And it really just, it, it was a relieving feeling for me. I was just worried that his 
Connacht career was going to peter into people criticizing him for not having putting in the effort for Connacht and for being too Ireland orientated. I just didn't think that was fair on him because as a person, he's done so much for us. So, yeah, it's, uh, what what a day for him and what a day for for Connacht and for the effect to have. And we're we're all horribly scarred by Cardiff games in the past. I don't think any of us are ever confident going into them, but it didn't seem like him or anyone else on the pitch was phased by it. Yeah, I want to, Wesley, let's talk about a couple of those performances Sam mentioned. Uh, let's start with Jack Carty. He was absolutely uh, phenomenal, I think, at the weekend. Possibly his best he's been all season. Um, you could kind of tell, as, with Jack, you could kind of tell if the first kick is good, you can kind of tell the rest of the game is going to be pretty goddamn solid. Um, he just seems to just kind of thrive with that confidence. And that first half, especially when there wasn't much wind going around, um, he was peppering kicks left, right and centre, and he was, he was a joy to watch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with Jack... Yeah, of course, when you talk about um, getting that first conversion or whatever, it, it builds confidence into the game. But I think Jack as a player, his real value to us is his, is his kicking in play, his, his kind of on-field kicking and his tactical kicking. And um, I think that was really strong. But I also think he, he distributed really well and he worked really well with Bundy on the inside. And um, Jack himself is just back from two or three weeks off with a hamstring issue. We only heard during the week that he was available. Bundy obviously hasn't been involved as in as many uh, Connacht games uh, in the last year as, as we would have liked. So it's really great to see someone like Jack come back in and, and make our attack play so smooth and um, give us those different areas we can attack from, distributing well, kicking well, finding gaps here and there that we can kind of exploit and kind of, um, you know, even when little kicks in behind, don't go to somebody. Things like that force your wingers, the Cardiff wingers, to drop back and that creates more space to, for us to attack the line. So when you've got Jack prepping those kicks back and forth, um, playing with confidence, playing with kind of um, well, maybe not literally, but with the wind behind him, let's say, with the, with the wind in his sails, um, I think it adds a lot to what Connacht can, can, can do on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, it, it was you know, you guys already spoke about Bundy. I think it was the performance that we kind of needed from Bundy, not that Bundy needed or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to the theory that he was on the way out or anything like that. But um, it's a similar thing from Jack. You know, when Jack is at that level of leadership and control of the game, um, these, you know, these we see these players playing a lot better in these great feats, these great bursts from Tom Farrell because he hits his lines are welcome around or um, space being created for scrum halves to snipe around the rocks. A lot of that comes from the 10 organizing and distributing the attack um, and giving us different um, uh, channels of attack as well, be it kicks or passes. So uh, as you said, like we have been reliant on Jack for a good few years and when he's on form, I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I think what's better is even, even when he's been unavailable this season, we've seen the likes of Hawkshaw take the step up. We saw Tom Daly come on from a 10 with uh, 10 minutes to go, maybe a little bit more. Um, and we didn't really seem to skip a beat in terms of that. So I, I think it was a really promising performance from 10. Um, always great to have Carty back. I, I hope he stays fit now for the next couple of games because it's definitely going to continue to be important as we move on. Yeah, I want to also highlight as well, Like obviously Mac was fantastic on the wing and we know what Mac is. Let's highlight Dermot Kilgallen here a little bit. Like he's only twenty two, twenty three. I can't remember off the top of my head. He's only young. He hasn't played a bad game yet, as I can tell from for Connacht. I remember he burst on the scene in the Aviva with Ulster with the intercept try. He is an absolute a real talent here. And Sam, like what a luxury to have when the likes of Mac is away. Him and Porter in the wings and Santiago coming in next year as well. Um, he looks like an absolute baller that luckily is is at Connacht. Yeah, coming through, it was the year before, but that that Ulster game was the big one. Uh, I remember it's kind of the big introduction with the, the intercept and scoring the try. And since then, he's scored tries for fun when he's played. He's looked 
like every game he gets more capable defensively. He's he's aggressive defensively. His defensive positioning has been very good. And you're looking at the players that we're not playing at the weekend. You've Porch not playing. You've Wooten, obviously he's retiring. And you've Adam Byrne, who we believe is retiring as well or moving on anyway. Uh, and you have, they're, they're kind of Wooten and Byrne with a big strong winger type. And Kilgallen has stepped into that role. I was looking it up because we've we've spoken about how much of a unit we think he is, but how nimble on his feet. So I was looking it up and according to Google, he's 6'5", uh, which I think might be maybe an overestimation. But if he's 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", plus, that's a big winger. And he looks every bit a big winger because when he runs strong, but he's like uh, he's able to avoid people. He's evasive. He's fast. He's good in the tackle. He looks like... He's not shying away from being in, even though he is, you know, still still you would consider him a squad player, everyone fit this season. But I think he's going to take that position and make it his own. I think he's the reason why we were so okay with letting Peter Sullivan go last year. I think he's the reason why, you know, it doesn't matter really that Wooten or Byrne are going because he is he is a sensational player. And then coming on on again, you had Shane Jennings, who also looks hungry for it. So all of these success stories coming through younger lads, Connick-based younger lads, or I know uh, he's from Kil- uh, Kilgallen's from Kildare, but you know academy lads or lads that we young lads that we've got coming up through the ranks. All of them being successful is driving on more, and you're going to see an influx of players coming on because success breeds success. We speak about and Leinster are twenty years ahead of us with this, but we speak about that conveyor belt. We speak about how they can send a team down to South Africa with a bunch of relatively unknown players for anyone who's not a diehard Leinster fan that will do the job because they're all shit scared of losing a job if they're not good in a game or two. You know, that's how cutthroat it is at a place like Leinster. And I think performances like Kilgallen's, Niall Murray racking up 50 caps and looking like a leader at 23. Kyle Ford, people saying should have been starting ahead of Bundy at the weekend at 21. Hawkshaw 23 playing uh, out half. You know, these, uh, you know, Marmion moving on and seemingly us not having a replacement scrum half because we have Devine and Riley and think these are all really positive young Connacht lads or young Irish lads coming through that are going to drive each other on. I, I think that you're you're growing something there which will it'll lead to an atmosphere, it'll lead to a situation like in Leinster where you, you don't have bad games from these young lads coming through because they won't get another chance, they won't get that opportunity. So yeah, it's, he's been a revelation the last couple of years and he's going to continue to grow and he, he'll be hard pressed but only, like Santiago will have to rip the jersey out of his hands. Truth be told, because he'll have the he'll have the head start on him. He'll have the preseason. He'll have the 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 games if there are any during the World Cup. If Argentina are still in it past the quarterfinals, uh, he'll have those situations to to make his mark and to lay the marker down for Santiago coming back. Santiago's coming in to play fullback. I've, that's been confirmed to me. That's what we hear. Yeah, but he is still. He's also a winger. He's a back three player. You talk about Mac can also play fullback. Tiernan's been re-signed. Jennings has played fullback for Bucks. I think that those in that, those back three are. They're interchangeable at the moment. We don't have an out-and-out fullback the way we have with Tiernan this year. I think like Santiago's coming to play fullback, but can also be a winger. And I think that Kilgallen is going to be, they're going to be hard-pressed to get them all in, but they're going to want to try and get them all in on the same time. Plus the 17 sevens players we've signed to, which we'll get to later on. Uh, let's look at the table after that win. Connick stay in sixth place, 49 points. 10 wins, 7 losses. Two of those losses are home. Uh, to Ulster and Leinster, when you look back, they were both very winnable games, especially that Ulster one. Uh, but that's obviously nitpicking. But like Westy, if you had to say the start of the year, you know, same wins as Munster, only two wins less than Ulster, um, sixth on the table, you know, ahead of the Bulls, ahead of the Sharks. Like, yeah, would you believe that back in uh, back in August or, or September last year? 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm always kind of hopeful, but I don't know if I can honestly say I would have uh, would have would have put money on it if you'd offered me the odds. Um, I don't know if I would have put money on it at the start of the year, but I mean, it it speaks to look. We've kind of said it before for the last few weeks, but it speaks to what the coaches said. We kind of intentionally went with a harder start to the season now, partly because the pitch was being redone as well. We spoke a lot about we kind of spoke in passing about how we thought you know our, our passing and our handling looked really sloppy at those first couple of home games, and then. You know, you guys spoke to Kieran Myron and he's like, oh, yeah, like the, the ball is kind of slippier, the, the, the pitch behaves a bit differently. Like, that was all a part and parcel of that period of time. You know, we were down in South Africa, we had all our interpros and we were playing on a new pitch. It took us, you know, you can go down to Craig's and train, and that's a great pitch, and there to train on of an afternoon. But, like, it only comes from playing on that pitch every day, training that pitch every day, playing matches week in, week out to get up to the speed of it. Um, and, you know, we did, you know, Sam always said that our, our, our run-in was relatively easier than the kind of first half of the season and we're just seeing the benefit of that i mean we're seeing the benefit as well of a team that's had kind of time together playing well together playing from confidence you know we've we've six win win six wins from six with a little asterisk there in the middle because we did lose to benetton last week that everyone's forgetting about but six in a row at, in, in the urc um but yeah, look, as you guys said, success breeds success. Confidence breeds confidence in the squad. We've made the sports ground a fortress. We've only lost to Ulster and Leinster in the sports ground this season. Two games that, well, definitely one that we could have won and one that we probably should have taken points from, really, when you look back on it. But however, um, it's been a really, really strong, really consistent second half of the season. And we've said this before in the podcast that we're now... Win- like. One of the biggest criticisms we've had of the last few years was our inconsistency. We beat Leicester and then we struggle against Dragons in the sports ground. Well, we didn't actually beat Leicester. We lost in the last minute of the game. But um, you'd wonder how that could happen. Whereas this year, we are, again, in theory, beating teams that were better than or, or are at our level. And in theory, losing to the teams that you know maybe aren't better than us, but have more resources than us or you know, are more historically more successful than us so you're not allowed um, to say resources it's all hard work westy we know oh, that. sorry that they have more hard work and money for south african head coaches um um sorry i'm distracted my, whatever my ridiculous point was there yeah but it's been a really it's been a really hard fought really strong run into the end of the season we've we've managed our season quite well and this is showing the progression right like we spoke a few weeks ago if you include the european games uh, what's our record now 10 and 7 in the urc if you include the urc games um, we've won t- 13, lost nine. I mean, that again, th- this is, I, I have to check the maths, but the year we won the the Pro 14, we had like a 65% win rate. We're pretty bloody close to that right now. So um, not only is it the most successful, one of the most successful, we've, se- most successful seasons we've had in a while, it is by quite a, quite a long while. I mean, our best before this, I think, was a 52 or 55% win rate, apart from the year that we won everything. So I think it's a, it's a strong finish to the Andy friend era. Like we, I hate having to caveat my want as, as a Connacht fan, right? I hate having to say like, Oh, it's good for us. Um, but it is good for us. It's good because what we've now established is three or four years of above a 50% win rate. We've established ourselves as a solid upper mid table team. Only when you establish yourself at that level, can you begin to take the next step? We saw it. We were one the pro 16. We didn't win it the year after we came eighth or ninth, you know, it, you have to build slowly to get sustainable progression. And what we've done in the last six months of this year, I think, is the culmination of a long time's hard work. Um, and things look really good for us now, especially going into next year with some really exciting signings coming in. 
yeah, one thing obviously, look, we we won more games this year and all that. But Sam, we we called for last year what we wanted, and we we got this year was more bonus points, even in losses. I think last year we had four bonus points. We've nine this year, um, and look, that's what good teams do. They rack up the bonus points. We're still considerably behind. You know, the likes of the Stormers have 15, Leinster have 13, Ulster have 16. But it's better than what we were last year. And it's no surprise to see us up the table a bit more than last year, just from that alone. Yeah, from that alone. It's actually only a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago at this stage, where we were talking about not having as many bonus points. We were slow to get them at the start of the season. But since this run-in after January, after the last of the Interpros, we've started to get them. I would like to see the URC and other European leagues adopt the Super Rugby bonus point system with the three clear tries. I think four tries is actually getting too easy for teams to get to. Quite often a win is a four-try win, regardless these days. It seems to be very common. You're looking at like Ulster there with 16 bonus points and Leicester with 13, 15. I don't think there should be that many bonus points. I don't think you should have as many bonus points as you do matches or nearly that amount. Like Ulster have 17 matches played and 16 bonus points. So I'd like to see that Super Rugby bonus point system adopted. But yeah, the losing bonus points are what we were probably looking for last year, uh, more so than the winning bonus points. And we have, we've accumulated nine, which is much better. It's nine extra points on what we had last season. We're sitting in six now. We can't not get into the top eight and we may not make Europe on a technicality. And that's just the situation that the league finds itself in with some teams like Glasgow and Scarlet's in Challenge Cup semifinals with Benetton, you know, with the opportunity to win those. With the shield system, like hard sitting in 11th and looking like they're going to be in Europe. So hopefully that vote that happens at the end of the season changes that. And if we lose out on Champions Cup because of a technicality, I'll accept it. I won't be happy, but I'll accept it. But we've proven right there mathematically and by ability that we are capable and should be in the Champions Cup. We're sitting in sixth. We have a good chance to get fifth. I know Glasgow is a horrible place to go for us in the past. I think I was listening to Craig earlier and he was saying they were interviewing Kieran Marmion said he's never won there as a player for Connacht, which is scary to think about. He's doing 12 seasons with Connacht. So, you know, the first time for everything, they were also saying they had an interview with Andy Friend and he was talking about the potential of us having been slow on their 4G pitch, which we now have an experience of playing on for a season. So it could be a bit of a leveler and they have a Challenge Cup semi-final. So there's, you know, there's a lot to look forward to, but the bonus points getting us up to 49 points instead of 40. Like the difference there is, you know, you'd be sitting without those bonus points in 11th beside Cardiff and that's you know they're two wins below us but that's where it is you you just the bonus points have been huge for us this season they've gotten us up to where we are it's just worth mentioning that if we do finish you know if we finish eighth you know for those who don't know uh, people who win a shield have to qualify so right now I think it's Cardiff for top of the Welsh shield they're what do you say 11th in the table yeah. they will take the eighth European spot if they win that rule will not exist next year. That was part of the first. Exist. Yeah, it hasn't been confirmed, but I imagine it's going to be pretty torn up after this year's display. The other side of that coin is Scarlet's, as you said, Scarlet's Glasgow and Benetton are all in the uh, semi-finals of the of the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup, rather. So if you know if Car- if Glasgow win, it's fine because they're already in. But if the other two win, they're below us. They'll take seventh. So I think that was a big motivator for Munster at the weekend. It was obviously a big motivator for us that you know it's no longer like, oh, as long as we're seventh, we're, we're okay for Europe. You know, it does, it's become a little bit more complicated the last few weeks, but I do hope that that Shields rule is, is done away with at the end of next year because it should yeah. it should be on there. You also then get to the case where, I can't remember, is it Celsius Sharks that are, 
Celtic Sharks could then win the Champions Cup or win the league, and they could also take a place if they drop out because Cardiff jumped them. So it's you, you're low, you're talking about the guarantees only down as far as fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. They're all on the chopping block depending on what happens in Europe. So our season may or may not be over, but we were watching those Challenge Cup games, being like fucking losing, hoping that the URC teams lose in the Challenge Cup. So it's uh, and the Champions Cup. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 made for a brilliant league, and I think that some of the criticism that was leveled at the league early last season has now been completely put to bed. It's such an exciting league. You're seeing that like the last day is integral to the outcome for so many. And then past the last day is even more integral for the outcome to some like us. So it's it's become such an exciting proposition. Whereas you look at other leagues around Europe uh, that are struggling, you know, the French league is the French league. It's always going to do well, but the, the English league is not doing so well in terms of like your fan interaction and how, how it's going. But they will always maintain that the premiership is better. I just... I can't believe that anything is a better spectacle right now than this. Like up until very recently, anyone from third down to like twelfth was in with a shout. So it's a, it's 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 gone to the wire, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's just fantastic. Let's talk quickly before we get on to uh, signings and coaches for Connacht. They currently six uh, sit sixth in the league. They would play the Stormers if it was to finish the way it is uh, in the in the playoffs which I think we all would try to avoid. I'm sitting here looking, lads. I think of all the teams that I think we have the, as good a chance as any, I'm looking at Ulster in second. That's uh, exactly sitting, what I was thinking. Like, to travel up to Belfast, I don't think Cork fear Ulster in any way. Ulster have a clangor in the in the, in the the back, in their own wardrobe to go whenever possible. We're not beating Leinster. I don't think we're going to Stormers to beat Stormers. As you say, Glasgow, the history's not good. Um, I don't think there's... Well, we possibly could play Munster, but I'm looking at Ulster play. in second. We- can't play Munster. If we if we go fifth, we get Glasgow. And if we go sixth, we get uh, whoever finishes third, which is Stormers or Ulster. If we go seventh, it'd be Ulster. And if it's eighth, we get Leinster. So we can't yeah. actually get Munster. Yeah, if Glasgow take nothing, five. no, if Glasgow take nothing from us. If Glasgow take nothing from us, Munster will go to fourth. And no, Munster can't jump them. Munster can't jump Glasgow because Glasgow have more wins. Oh, it's wins and not bonus and points difference. Ah, yeah. okay, sorry, that was points so it's difference. Wins, yeah. So Glasgow, are, that's that's what's beneficial for Connacht. Glasgow have nothing to play for in terms of league and they're one of rest, guys. So the only thing we can overtake is Munster, uh, which would put us, which would give us the Glasgow game. So back to back, Glasgow has it has prior. It does, it does oh, there's history there. <laughs> it was the other way though. It was back to back in the sports ground. I don't know yeah. about back to back in Scotland. <laughs> That's <laughs> different. That's different proposition for sure. Look, Connacht have to go and try and win the game. There's no trying to get into seventh because you, you might end up in eighth and then you play Leinster. So, uh, but I'm just saying, if, if they finish in seventh and had to go play Ulster, I wouldn't fear it too much. I'd, I'd rather that than Stormers. I'd rather that than Leinster. I nearly rather that than going to Glasgow. Um, which I'm sure Ulster fans will be loving to hear for a bit of for my for my pocket. For my pocket, Leinster or Ulster are the better ones. I'm not sure about a trip down to South Africa. Uh, just don't have it in me, lads. <laughs> We're saving if up for this wants to, uh, anyone wants to sponsor and send the three of us down to Stormers, uh, then my email is in my Twitter bio. Uh, you can send an email over here. We'll we'll negotiate. Uh, but yeah, we'll look. We'll move on. Some also some good news uh, announced today from a kind perspective. Scott Fardy has been announced uh, as a defense coach on a two year deal. Uh, which none of us saw coming. Like we sometimes would hear little tidbits coming through about someone coming through, or we got a heads up on the Santiago news. Had absolutely no idea that Scott Fardy was coming into the club uh, to sign as defensive coach. So we currently have Pete Wilkins, uh, Scott Fardy defensive. We have John Muldoon as our line out and mall. 
and then we still have Cully Tucker as our scrum coach. Uh, Sam, you were saying there might be rumours of maybe a skills coach coming in, but so far we have those four coaches in place. Well, it's not rumours. Ryan was on Galway Bay a couple of months ago and he said that we were looking for a forwards and a a forwards, a defence and a skills coach were the three that he named positions that they were looking for. So we, we presume that that's still the case uh, and that another bald, beautiful, bearded, angry bastard is going to come in. Collie Tucker is actually just down getting the skin fade right now. Yes, uh, I hope he can grow a beard. Uh, very intimidating looking uh, coaching ticket uh, currently. Well, I know we're going to get onto the... The benefits of it but from one thing we were speaking only two weeks ago about maybe a lack of leaders and a lack of leadership if there's any two players that you could pick to come into the coaching setup Muldoon and Fardy are the two that are going to instill a sense of leadership and an understanding about how to lead or like I know Fardy wasn't an out and out captain Leinster we captained him a couple of times but he was by god he was a leader and we we all looked in envy at having a player of his ability there and we all missed Muldoon since he's been gone and that leadership he brings so those two will bring out the best in the players like Josh Murphy and like uh, Connor Oliver Jack Carty Bundy Jared Butler the ones who are we we presume the leadership group the ones that we see as leaders when we watch them uh, bringing them up to that next level of leadership and bring that that out of them I think is just going to be integral for those those coaches I think that you've seen like we don't know about Fardy's coaching record it's only a a small stint in Japan and at home in, in local league in Australia. Uh, so it's not, it's not a huge CV, but from his playing ability, from what we've seen, it's, you know, it's looks like a really good acquisition. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Westy as said, Muldoon obviously has a bit more experience than Fardy, but still nothing maybe to, to, to really excite you in terms of resume. Uh, and now Fardy's the same. Should should Cork fans be getting excited about this, or should they still have a bit of trepidation, as you like to say? Oh yeah, great word. Um, yeah, no, I think we should definitely be excited. We have a we have a long history of bringing through young coaches and and developing coaches within. Um, it's you know I think it's worked pretty well for us in the past. Um, obviously it's obviously look you'd love to be going out and signing someone with with a long coaching history, but. Um, it's not always available. I mean, you look at something like John. Okay, Bristol haven't had the best couple of years, um, but he went. He went there as a new coach and, and learned a lot from Pat Lamb and and, and was very successful early on. Um, and will also bring quite a, a, a an air back. You know, he's he's such a legend around these parts. Um, for anybody who grew up playing rugby, um, especially in Goa, but anywhere around, Connacht, I can't imagine that Muldoon wasn't heavily featured. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just my hero worship for the man but um that he wasn't uh, a, a big name for you um and scott Ferry, you know not only was he instrumental in kind of leinster becoming this dominant force he was a notable absence once um he, he became unavailable for australia you know that that you know everyone talks about hooper and pocock Fardy was the third member of that back row that's what made it work so well his work rate and his vision on the pitch is what gave those lads kind of room to express themselves and and, and to be themselves so um Fardy, in terms of his knowledge of the game, um, you know whether or not he's that an ex- he's not a very experienced coach, but his knowledge of the game and his work rate are things that I am very excited about seeing coming into Connacht. And I think that we're yeah, you can say we're taking a chance on, on, on an inexperienced coach, but he's a very, very, very experienced player. He's the type of player that we want to bring influence, and I actually think him and Mull will will kind of work very well together um as a as a as a coaching pair. Um, it would be nice to see a skills coach come in as well. We've signed a lot of sevens lads. Um someone with you know a softer skills coach to come in there to help us kind of maximize the 
the raw talent that we've signed from those guys. But um, in terms of a pack, I think, you know, Scott Friday, as I say, is, is a world-renowned and, you know, okay, I know people far afield might not think as highly as uh, of Mull as we do, but I'm absolutely delighted to see Mull come home. So, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic business for, for our, um, at least from a forwards perspective. Yeah, uh, yeah. The first the first game back with Mull will be will be a special occasion, I'm sure. Uh, Can't also were in the signing business of uh, a player. They announced signing of Australian-born Irish qualified Liam McNamara for the 23-24 season. Uh, McNamara is currently a member of the Irish Seven squad, squad, but he is also previously a member of the Australian Seven squad, where uh, Andy Friend coached him. Uh, I seen Porchy put up. I think he was teammates with Porchy at some stage too. Maybe um, he was at the sports ground. He was on John Porchy's Instagram. Oh, was he? Okay. Match the other day, yeah. So, lads, right, we have to, we have to talk about uh, sevens players. Uh, Connacht are addicted to signing sevens players. Uh, look, it worked. Porchy worked. Mac worked. Uh, ben O'Donnell is now scoring hat tricks for fun back in Australia. You know, credit to him. Didn't work out with Connacht, but um, you know, the, Connacht have a history of signing sevens players. Tom Daly comes to mind as well. Like, where my question is, where are we going to play all these guys, and where is the minutes going to come from? And is that really where we need to be signing players? That's what I see a lot of questions on social media. It's, hey, why do we keep signing these fast backs when we already have quite a few? I know uh, we have a few going out, but are you guys worried at all about the signing of so many sevens players, or should we be looking maybe a target a different demographic of player? I think we should no. sign more sevens players. And on a completely unrelated note, I'm taking up sevens in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> like you could be, you're, yeah, you're like a forward and set, like a big forward in sevens. You'd work perfectly. Yeah, as opposed to a little forward in fifteen. Yeah, that didn't come out right. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. You're you're so small, Wesley. God, get in the gym. No, Breaking I'm not here, man. I'm no, I'm not worried about the sevens. The the Liam McNamara one was funny because I jumped on the bandwagon as well. All fast outside backs, but. You know, it's assumed when their sevens players are signed that they're automatically wingers. And that's not the case with McNamara. Like Wilkins said it in his uh in his interviewer's report about McNamara. He said he's coming in, you now he can play right across the back line. He's played on the wing, he's played some center, he's played a little bit out half as well. He's playing out half with a Sydney team in the a local Australian league. And then he was playing for the is it the Ayrshire uh can't remember the name of them, Ayrshire Bulls, I think, it, which is the super six in Australia. Chicago Bulls. No, the air, air, sure, air rugby. Yeah, who Grant Stewart's playing with at the moment? Uh, yeah, the Ayrshire Bulls. Sorry, totally they're, they're, forgot so, Grant Stewart existed there. Sorry. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing with now. They're a professional team in in or professional to semi pro professional team in the Super Six in uh, Scotland. He played all but one game at full back for them last year, which is what you said earlier. Like Santiago's coming in full back. We had uh, we had Tiernan. We have a lot of wingers, but you know. A, a versatile player that can play a little bit of 10, has played a bit of centre, has played some wing, he's a sevens player, he's quite speedy, but played a lot of full-back. I think that that's the perfect signing for us. He's Irish qualified, he's got experience, You know, he's rated highly by the coaching staff, the leaving coaching staff and the coming in coaching staff. And we are losing players. You know, In the past, we've lost, last couple of years, we've lost, I know it's a couple of years ago now, but Nia Adi Logan's gone, Matt Healy's gone, Peter Sullivan's gone, then this year we're losing Wooten and... Uh, Burn Ben O'Donnell went last year. You know, there there are there there's a turnover, but what we're doing, in my opinion, is bringing up that floor of our squad depth. You know, we're 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 now we have players, the likes of a Kilgallen that you know are of a high standard at the bottom there and the pecking order, and they're all going to be fighting for each other and bringing out the best. And we can look enviously at other teams and their squad depth. We can look at Chris Cosgrove coming on and playing a worldly for Leinster the other day and thinking that he's not even second or third choice there. 
we can have that if we we sign in these players. So I'm actually I'm really happy and excited by it. I'm worried that we're not signing more type five players yet, but I think so are other teams. Every team you look at their Twitter, they're going, we need a tight head prop. We need a big beast of a lock. We need a South African winning hooker. That's the positions that are so hard to come by and everyone's in the market for them and they're not cheap. But what we are doing, I think, is adding squad depth and building a good squad. And we have added a couple of type five players in Joe Joyce and Jensen uh, and you know, Sean O'Brien 4.0 or 5.0 or 6.0 or whichever Sean O'Brien he is this year. So, I think, yeah, I think we're going about it the right way. And I'm not worried about him being a seventh player because I'm, you know, I've read about him and I've realized that he's not just a winger the way some people seem to think. They're like, oh, we already have Mac in Portugal just because he played sevens. I already saw I played sevens like in the Hong Kong sevens. Like, you know, he's not a winger. So you can, you have to look at the whole story there as well. It only takes one of them to be Hugo Keenan to this, for this to be the most genius move of all time. Sign I mean, million to a, seven. It's a big if. It's a big if. To, I used to work in sales, right? And my boss was like, you have to ring the phone as many times as possible. His analogy was always, if you throw enough spaghetti at the wall, eventually a piece will stick. If we sign enough sevens players, eventually one of them will be Hugo Heenan. I mean, we signed Mac. That was an absolute lottery. <laughs> I don't think we're going to yeah, He didn't again. play sevens. He wasn't a sevens player. He yeah, but like, player. he was unknown to a degree. Like, I don't know. Look, I we'll see. We're already we spent 40 minutes talking about this already. We're kind of, we still have departing players to get... We still, oh, I want to talk about Tierno Halloran. Uh, he extended his contract for one more year. It has uh, been met with uh, some good reviews, some bad reviews. Um, you know, Tiernan is kind of towards obviously the end of his career. I think we all understand that, and he will tell you that too. Look, it, it all depends financially, obviously, how much he, he's getting paid. Um, I, I'm assuming he took a bit of a pay cut again maybe this year, just judging by the financial situation in rugby. Um we we all know Tiernan is solid as a rock. He, uh, you know, it was it Kieran Marmy was telling us, um, just having him on the pitch and having that experience in terms of directing Mac. players. Mac was a, uh, you know where 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 players should be. Like he's very very experienced. Look, is he going to win you a game? Probably not. His ceiling probably is lower than a lot of other players. But I would also argue maybe his floor is quite high, in terms of up and coming players too. Um, I don't know. Do you guys want to add into that in terms of of Tiernan signing on and maybe keep it keep it short because we're already forty plus minutes in. Well, I've been the captain of the Tierno Halloran fan club since well before the pro uh, was a pro twelve win at the time. There was times when he was shafted out of Ireland squads and he should have been involved. He was a form fullback in the country. He isn't that same player now but a lot of the things that made him great which was safe as houses vocal leader they're still there i think he's lost a turn of pace he's lost a little bit of explosivity but you can't put a price on what he's seemed to bring to the back line uh, there's a couple of games this season where it's been very noticeable that he's gone off or not been playing and the defensive structure and defensive system has been all over the shop so just because he's not and he still does score tries at a phenomenal rate as well so but just because he's not running past rob carney in the final of the pro 12 in 2016 uh, the way he used to be doesn't mean that he's not a very important player. And yeah, I was surprised by it. I did think he was on the way out with the one-year deal last year with having been out of form. But I think his form has picked up this year enough to have earned him another contract. And I'm happy to see him stay because he's a conic legend. He's a conic stalwart. And he has shown this season that he can do a job consistently uh, when called upon. I don't think he will be a full-time starter next year because we have Santiago coming in, because we have Liam McMara, because, you know, there's the potential for Mac to play fullback. But that's not to say that I don't believe he he won't push his way into the starting team the way he had this year. He was he was out of favour, and then we brought him in, and the team has been much more solid since. Like, 
it's no coincidence we've been winning games consistently since January, and he's been more in the team than not since then. So, yeah, I'm 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 delighted for him. I'm delighted to see him come because it was he always worried about his career petering out uh, a little bit last year, considering how important he had been for us for the ten years previous to that. But no, it's a, I think it's a good sign overall. Uh, we'll move on to the players who departed the club. Uh, they got to send off obviously on Saturday night. Uh, Kieran Marmion, Shane Delahunt, and Alex Wooten, Alan Byrne, Leva Fafida, Connor Fitz, Sean Master, and Kieran Booth. Uh, obviously, Kieran Marmion gets all the headlines because he's the, uh, the biggest profile of all the players. Uh, heading over to Bristol, obviously, he talked to us in the podcast. Um, if you want to go back to listen to that, if you haven't, uh, Delahunt and Wooten uh, announcing uh, retirements. Obviously, both kind of shock announcements. We heard that Delahunt was possibly moving to Munster, um, and Alex Wooten obviously retiring for um, medical reasons. Um, which is always sad, but glad he's doing a kind of, you know, he kind of announced that himself rather than being announced for him. Uh, Delahunt will be missed big time, I think, um, especially when Hefo was in the kind of the the wilderness in terms of form. Delahunt really stepped up. I think the, the emergence of DTM has will soften that blow. Um, and Wooten obviously came in, just hit the ground running. Um and scored an outrageous amount of tries in those two 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 three years he's been with us. Um, Adam Byrne, I think we're all pretty pretty disappointed with this one. I kind of tweeted that as a real shame they didn't work out. Uh, they just couldn't get on the pitch. But Westy, a few Leinster fans kind of responded to me and said, "Look, it was kind of the same up here as well. It just uh, he just can't seem to stay healthy enough to be on the pitch for long periods of time, which is a real shame." Yeah, I mean he he was such a promising player a couple of years ago. You know, you forget he has, he has the Ireland cap. Um. But I think, unfortunately, like he had a long spell off injured in Leinster, and that's kind of, I think, what, what dislodged him from their rotation and kind of made him available to us. But, you know, we saw him early on in the season walking around in a moon boot, and it was we rarely got news on him, but he seems to have been in and out of injuries all season. So um, I think I think if he'd gotten a run of games early on, I mean, we saw him, in, like, even when he, you know, the first game we saw him play, I think it was the Newcastle game in the sports ground, and he that scored one of the best tries of the season. You know, I, I, I don't doubt at all his ability as a player, but, I mean, same with anybody. You need a run of form. You need a run on injured to, to, to really make that mark. I mean, not to go back to, you know, what we've already discussed, but uh, so we've seen the improvement in Tierney Haller when he's got a good run of games together. I think Tom Farrell is playing the best rugby of his life now that he's gone six months on injured. Um, when those things go against you, uh, specifically at times like this where you're in a time of transition, he was on a one year with Connacht unfortunately just hasn't worked out in us investing to, to hold on to him um, if, if he's not going to be available to play and if he's not going to be able to get fit stay fit and, and reach his own ceiling you know there's no point having a massive ceiling if you can only play one game every two months you know it's not really it's 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 hard and I, like, he seems like a great guy he definitely has the talent um, but unfortunately you have to make cuts somewhere so um, yeah, I'm, I'm sad to see him go I'm sad that it didn't we didn't get to see more of him I think uh, Sam, a, a player that a lot of people wouldn't have expected to to be let go is uh, Connor Fitz. Um, been with the club now uh, uh, quite a while, um, and you know has been a kind of a, a recognizable face and name to, for a lot of fans. Um, what do you think happened there? Just didn't work out. Where do we see him going next? Really hard to put your finger on it. I didn't see it coming at all. I thought he was going to kind of be a, a squad member, a club man for a good number of years. Never really. Never, maybe the, the type of player that you actually don't need, which is a really horrible thing to say, and I don't mean anything against him, but, you know, the type of player that's not actually threatening the start in 15 too often. You know, there was a period there after the World Cup 2019 where he did rightfully keep Jack out of the, the team. He was 21 or 22 at the time. 
he was playing some sensational rugby. He's come in, he's played a good good couple of games at full back, played quite well. He's played it out half. He's been an able uh, replacement for Jack, but he's getting to 25 and he's getting to that time in his career where you will expect him to push on and to want to compete with the start in 10, which is Jack Hardy. And I just don't think he's at that standard. So I was surprised to see him go. He wasn't one on the, the tip of my tongue when people asked me who was moving on. And I don't see where he goes now. Maybe with Ben Healy moving, there could be a move back to Munster and it might be a convenient one for them and for him where he could be a squad player. He could be in in case, you know, you've got Crowley and Carberry could going up to Ireland camps. You have a good bit of experience there. There might be a move abroad, but, you know, he's unfortunately he's injured at the moment. Uh, but it is, it's a shame to see him go because there was a lot of promise there and I was quite high on him when he was keeping Jack out of the, the team at the end of 2019, kind of start 2020. I thought this is a player, you know, he's got, he's got bags of ability and he's got his room to grow. I was constantly referring to how Sexton never really broke into it until he was 24, but it just hasn't happened for him. And maybe a fresh new lease of life where he can play more consistently will help him. And if that's a move to England or France or you know, even America, there's, pl- there's plenty of opportunity in America. Uh, you've seen some players going further afield. You've seen, I think, Donica Burns going playing. He's in Brazil, which is a cool experience. I think you know, professional rugby in South Africa, Curry Cup. There's, there is a lot there. And a player, his ability could do quite well if he's playing regularly and he was just not going to get that iconic so it's a shame to see him go it was a surprise to see him go he wasn't one of the ones that i did think i'd see go uh and it you know he's he's not going to be as missed as delahunt or marmion but he had he's a good kind of career a good kind of player and you know it is uh it is yeah it's a sad one there's a, a couple of good lads there now there's a couple that you feel missed out as well i would have liked to have seen more of leva more of adam Byrne, uh kieran booth you know it's, it's a shame i thought he was kind of making a little bit of a name getting in once or twice and then he's moving on. I don't know if he's going to move back to England or if he's going to allow us to continue using the Monday Night Club jingle for the, the podcast. So that's a sad one. So. I haven't I haven't brought that up yet, but I'm hoping yeah, Kieran Boots Band is the intro to this uh, podcast. So uh, hopefully that will remain. <laughs> my, my lawyers will be in touch. Probably completely forgot he allowed us to use yeah, that. 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a shame to see a lot of them players go. You know, there is a surprise, but there is also a sense of relief because it's, you know, we've talked at length at the last couple of months about how frustrating rugby and how frustratingly kind of unclear rugby is. And to now know who's staying and who's going is, it's a good weight off the mind, you know, because there's there's so much talk, like constantly getting people texting, chatting about like, oh, is Adam Byrne staying? What do you think? Should he stay? Who's coming in? Why is he coming in when we have this position? Uh, we had heard there might be a new 10 coming in. So that was kind of maybe spelt the end for Fitzy. I'm actually thinking that that new 10 is not coming in at all. I think Tom Daly has that, that backup 10. I think that's what they're looking at from what I've heard in training. They've been pushing that a good bit. And he came on the weekend, played it a couple of times. I think that you'll see more of Daly next season than we saw this season. And it'll be more 10. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Masilara, Duval, Senegal uh, are also leaving. Uh, both have made a huge in, um has made huge contributions to the coaching team over the last two years. Duval Senegal in particular, like when he came in, the the, the line out in the mall were uh, shambles, especially in the mall defence. Uh, and he's turned it into an absolute weapon. Uh, and he's harnessed the likes of Niall Murray, Darren Murray, um, Oshin Darling, and got the best out of them. So credit to him, and uh, he will be a big loss. Hopefully, uh, Muldoon can continue on the good work that Duval has. But look, from the podcast, we wish all the players, coaches uh, moving on, best of luck in, in whatever whatever happens. Uh, and thank you for everything you've done uh, for Connacht Rugby. Um, I think we've covered everything in Connacht, lads. It took us 50 minutes, but we got there, uh, which is the longest we've ever spoken on Connacht Rugby, for sure. 
so we'll move on to the other provinces uh, in action. Ulster got a good win away to Dragons, uh, 40 points to 19. Um, Ulster kind of in a weird spot, uh, Westy, where they have, uh, well, they, they can't get any lower than third. Uh, Stormers can overtake them. Uh, they sit one point ahead of them. They can't uh, catch Leinster. Uh, well, do you think they'll be? Will they care about finishing second or third necessarily when it comes down to the end of it? Oh, definitely. I think they will. I think there's a lot left for them to fight for. You know, they don't have Europe um, to look forward to, unfortunately. Um, haven't gone out to Leinster, so I think that I think it is really important. I think that that game showed it. I mean, I actually thought Dragons played really well. I, I, think, I don't know how Tane Basham is in the Welsh squad because I thought he was unbelievable for Dragons in that game. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think Ulster have everything to fight for. I think, you know, they won't. I think the main thing here as well, you have to, it's not just about like, oh, I finished third. Everyone wants to avoid a trip to South Africa. And the only way they can guarantee not having to go to South Africa ever again is staying in second. You know, if they drop to third. Ever? Forever? <laughs> well, for the season. Um, and Storm, you know, if, if it works out as you think it would, if Stormers win and, um, and Ulster lose and they swap then you can end up playing stormers away in the semi-final and that's pretty awful so um you know i think they'll be completely focused on the game next week they have edinburgh coming to um to i was going to call it raven hill but it's kingspan now isn't it um so it's again it's they get to finish the season at home last game of the season at home to edinburgh uh, edinburgh a good win at the weekend um a very strong performance but um they'll be on the road and again edinburgh don't really have anything to fight for at the minute if, if you look at it in those terms now no team obviously goes to lose and it's their last game of the season as well so I'm sure they'll throw everything at it but no I think Ulster should and will um, want to build on the good run of form they've had we've seen how one performance earlier on the season can knock them for six and kind of take them out of the running for a couple of weeks so they'll want to maintain the good form that they're on the good form that they've built and they'll want to make sure they can carry that as far as they can into the into the playoffs into the quarterfinals semifinals you mentioned there, Westy, not having Europe uh, to play for. Do you think that will that'll obviously help Ulster? This could be maybe this could be the year that they can really focus down the URC. I think if you'd asked me to start the season, I would have said that Ulster could definitely fight on both fronts, and I thought they would have they would thrive under it. Unfortunately, due to a couple of unusual circumstances, you know, Europe really did go against them um, early on, and then ended up having Leinster in the round of sixteen. You know, it's just. Um, yeah, a lot of went against them that time. I think uh, while it's definitely possible for them to fight on two fronts, I think it's better for them now that they're more focused on on a good run in the league. Um, they will more than likely, you know, if, if they do, well, at least in the next round, they'll more than likely be playing one of the South African teams, if not us, and they'll be fine with any of those three players, any of those three teams coming to, to Ravenhill. Um, I, think, I think for any team... In our league, the way that our quarterfinals now go, um, it's probably, you know, there's very few that would thrive having both competitions to fight. Leinster are probably one of the only ones that you'd really say, have a, have a chance to win both or have a likely opportunity to win both. Anybody else, you know, even if Munster had gotten past Sharks, you think, would they, would they really have contested on both the, the league and the Champions League all the way to the final? Um, so I think it will benefit them now not having Europe. I think Europe, they were unlucky in Europe in the way things played out. They had fights cancelled, delayed, uh, pitches frozen, games moved, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that really knocked their form in the middle of the season. So, um, yeah, I think they'll benefit now from just being able to focus on the league. And again, as I say, that's why they'll try and retain that home advantage all the way. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned Leinster there. Sam Leinster had a very, very impressive win away 
uh, beating the Lions by three points. Uh, you know, we were already starting to see it on the Irish media. It's are we in the Sam Prendergast era? Is are we here? Have we arrived? Is Sam Prendergast the new Harry Byrne, the new Jonathan Sexton? Like this is just this list of people. I think let players be players, let young lads be long, young lads. I remember like Stephen Ferris tweeting out about Sexton, uh, the the the. Ulster Sexton being in the Irish squad when he was like 19 because of how fast he was. I was like, no, just allow these players to develop. It was a great game from him. It was a continuation of the development he's had after the under-26 Nations. He looks every bit a prospect, but I think he needs to remain a prospect. And with the presence of the Burns there, you know, you, you've also still got Frawley, who the Irish team seem to the Irish team seem to like at out half. You got the two burns. You got Sexton. You're most likely ninety nine percent, nine point nine percent retiring uh, after the World Cup. He has an opportunity to move into third, maybe four choice, fight his way up to second as he develops physically and like his age literally develops. So I'm excited to see where he goes. I don't want to see the pressure heaped on him the way people like Brian O'Driscoll heaped it on Harry uh, Byrne because you've, you've seen what's happened to him. It's actually it's become a meme that every time Harry Byrne plays and he gets injured it's become like oh that's the end of his thing it's like he's still young as well he's still got a, a future ahead of him it's just not fair on young lads like it's there's so much pressure piled up on young lads and you know, we have a podcast here where we talk about rugby players and we will obviously criticize rugby players if they play badly we praise rugby players if they play well that's the point in media and fan-led media but you don't need to pump undue pressure on a player say things like oh he should be you know bolter for the lions it's like no like allow the lad be 19 allow him be 20 like l- allow them to grow I mean, yeah, like realistically, he should be in a field somewhere drinking on weekends. Do you know what I mean? He's that age. That's what. That's he's what that cool be. that he probably is. He's probably him and Key, him and Key in with a bunch of cans. Yeah, well, this is this is my fear that he's going to become this absolute superstar. He's going to be like, hey, Keen, why don't you come on home? Why don't you come back? Uh, this is my show now. Uh, we were hoping that he would drag Sam down. It's not happening. <laughs> this is not happening. Not happening anytime soon. Uh, you mentioned him being cool, or Sam. He do, he does look very cool, calm, and collected. Uh, he looks very cool, collected, but he also looks like a gangly young lad who's doing his leaving cert next year and who just got a 10 year old Volkswagen Polo that he's happy to drive around. <laughs> like that, that's the look he's got going. You know, he's he's still very much a teenager. Like he's he's a great eye. He brings players into it. He, you know, he some of the lines that was running was it uh, was it back at Labsy's try was the, the pass for that. You know, there, there was some ridiculously skillful bit and we saw it all through that 26 nations you know he's not without a mistake which obviously you're going to be at that age but he's confident uh he's trying things which is great to see for him but he does he just looks so much like a young teenage lad like there's kids in sixth class in my school now ready to go off to secondary school and i'm kind of looking at the two of them going like look the same like well yeah you meant what what is 19 so he's literally six years younger than when sexton made his debut which is crazy you think about it like that's but like i know we're not look we're not hot take merchants but i've got a hot take and i want to flow it out to you guys here um i want to see he's 20 he's 20 okay well why is he on the lines in there um i think he is the next sex yeah he could well be but no so, i'm not saying it could I'm, be i think he is <laughs> why so can't he just be sam pendergast why is he be the next why can't he be kid player the next next martin scorsese he could be he could be the next David Humphreys. I'm not sure yet. I'm still shopping that one around. Um, could he be the next Eric Elwood? He could Go be. Where? He could be. Yeah, if well, we need to get Keen on the blower. But you have you have Tector there as well, who was the next next Harry Burns. So now like 
Yo, Benny no, has to take what an insult that is. The next Harry Byrne. That is no, not Harry Byrne. Harry Byrne was the next sex. Well, Harry Byrne was the next Ross Byrne, who was the next Sexton. But yo, Tector was coming in behind that, and he was the next in line. But yo, he's a baller as well. And people have seemingly forgotten about him because of the emergence of Sam Prendergast. You know, there's a wealth there at 10. And you're looking at like, yo, Carberry out of the Munster squad at the weekend. I don't know the exact ins and outs, but it doesn't seem to be due to injury. Not in the Irish squad. You've got Healy leaving. You know, the space there in Munster, they need someone. Connacht arguably need a backup now that you've seen uh, Fitzy go. And then Ulster, you know, I, I don't think Madigan's getting re-signed or is he playing next year? I really doubt it. Uh, and then there are also question marks around, you know, they had Lowry coming in, stepping in as a backup 10 there. So there's a wealth of 10s there. And I know Leinster, they they have a, a, a hard-working ability to keep hold of big amounts of players in the squad. But I just think... At some point, one of those tens are going to have to go somewhere else, and you know, you know, it could be Tector, and whoever gets Tector will be. Oh well, actually, Ulster have Flannery, so uh, that's fine, you know. But Munster or Connacht could look at looking at Tector if they don't want to get rid of Prendergast or let Prendergast go. And Frawley's, you know, he's more of a twelve now anyway. But uh, there's, you know, there's a wealth there coming up behind Sexton. They might not necessarily all make Sexton's level, but they're all very good URC players. A lot of Leinster lads' uh, bank account full of hard work and good coaching. Tell you that. Tell you that. <laughs> Elbow grease. Elbow grease. Full of, oh yeah. I went is to the shop there earlier on. Tried to pay for Slipping with elbow grease the last time I was in the RDS. You know, I really need to put down some wet floor signs. The amount of elbow grease. I can't remember the last time I was in a, a private school and couldn't see elbow grease all over the floor. Oh, it's just tripping. An abundance. Now we are yeah. we are kind of poking fun at this, uh, but I think both things are true. But look, that's that's the conversation for a different time. Uh, yeah, Leinster march on, still undefeated. Uh, Munster got a, just a classic Munster win away. They couldn't do us one favor and lose away to Stormers. Uh, it would have been a very easy game to lose, uh, and Munster go and beat them twenty six points twenty four. Right before it was the, they want the the result was about ten minutes into the Connacht game, maybe five minutes into the Connacht game. Um, Westy just you couldn't drop a more Munster win than that, right? Uh, I think it's one of the classic Munster performances. I think they were brilliant. I think they really dug they dug that one out of nowhere. You know, not a lot of people gave them a chance going to. Going away to the league champions in South Africa, especially after the heavy defeat they had against Sharks the week before. Um, uh, I thought I thought they were brilliant. I thought Peter O'Mahony did his job brilliantly, getting uh, really getting under the Stormer's skin and getting a yellow card. I don't know what your man was doing, putting his hand over his face for some reason, like what is yes. Um, but yeah, I also do think I will caveat by saying I thought the Stormers looked really flat and exhausted for the first half. I think. Having to travel up and down from Europe the week before had done had taken its toll on them, but that said, the the uh, the kind of passion and the kind of one track mindness that lent that Munster opened the game with, like they had scored, they had two that try held up over the line after ninety seconds that was reviewed and given as a try, you know, and they heaped that pressure on top. Um, the termination, I think that the rolling mall was so impressive against a big, heavy South African pack. Um, I thought the, it was a chain daily in the corner. Um, the try in the second half, I thought it was bloody brilliant, brilliant scoring, a fantastic finish. So, um, Daly's yeah, had look, a few like sneakily, really high quality finishes in his career already. Like, he knows how to find, find the try line. Yeah, definitely. And it's not just a case of it's not just running in over the line. He still has a bit of work to do to get there. So, I think, like, um, I, I'm a big fan of. Um, of Daly, I think you know, he's been in in and around Ireland squads. I'm not saying he's going to make it to the World Cup, but he's definitely one to keep an eye on. I think it's a lot of talent there. Uh, I thought I think Mike Haley on his day is a great player as well. Um, and I think this new brand of rugby that 
Munster are playing is is really bringing out the best in these lads. One thing I will say, um, I think everyone was a little quick to dismiss Malachi Fekitoa. Now I know they've signed somebody else, but I think he's been a, he's had a brilliant second half of the season. Um, but look, we'll see how it goes. I mean, they'll be fine. I mean, because I think that Anton Frisch is is, is better again. But I really think Fekito has risen to the challenge in the second half of the season. Maybe the pressure off him. Um, yeah. but, uh, ben Healy made a big impact in this game. And Sam, you'll vouch for this. No one has stood up for Ben Healy more than me on this podcast. Uh, no one's been a backer of Ben Healy more than me. So I think I was vindicated this weekend, right? I think you've got a job with City Bin so that you can get it <laughs> in to the dump and to pick him up the, off the trash heap and bring him back to allow him to just be a young lad playing. What a rugby. sponsorship that would be. City Bin. <laughs> City Bin. It's only down the road, no more. Like, the Ben Healy segment. The City Bin Ben Healy segment. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he's, I, I've not been big on him. I've always thought that he's kicking kind of flattered to see when he made everything seem a lot rosier, but he was brilliant. He, he came on with a confidence. Uh, maybe that's from the move to Edinburgh, taking a weight off his mind from playing for Scotland, you know, becoming an international, getting in ahead of Parbury. When he came on, he hit a beautiful pass very quickly, hit one from the try line or from the sideline, uh, a conversion that was just an absolute bullet. It wasn't a huge one, but it was just rocketed over uh, and he sucked every last millisecond out of the kick clock. Even more so on the next one, the penalty where it somehow went about six seconds over, but he slipped and it, it fell short. But no, and a fantastic cameo from him that really helped Munster get over the line and get that win because yeah, much as it was in the balance and Munster were brilliant, it was there for Stormers if they could have gotten their act together at any point for 10 minutes. You know, it's, it's such a hard place to go. It very tough ask of Munster to get there and to dog out the win in the manner that they did. And, you know, the fact that like a player like Healy comes on, I thought uh, adding on to the back three, Wesley, I thought Nash as well. It was brilliant again. You know, they're, they've such strong three back three there. So, Crowley had a good game. Murray had a good game. Like, I don't think anyone had a bad game. It was just, it's a great, typical monster performance that I say that through gritted teeth. I'm going, oh, thanks, Ben Hooley. Thanks for coming on and shoring it up and allowing them to win because I really did think this weekend was going to be the weekend where we finally got over the card of voodoo, got the five points and jumped monster and just put that pressure on them going into the last week. But no, fair play to monster. They did what you know teams of their caliber and their standing in the game do. They... They dogged it out and, you know, they they used their little known Orgy Snyman <laughs> to full effect. He was dragging Malls on his own and that's not a easy place to go Mullen. So, you know, he looked like he was playing, I think someone put it up on Twitter, he looked like he was playing with a tennis ball at one point, <laughs> catching the ball out of line out. So, I've seen uh, someone Twitter saying like he like he should go to the World Cup in South Africa. Like even though he's played Maryland yeah. rugby, he's that good. He's just that good. Oh, he's, Is he's three that. years of salary worth that performance? I mean, I'm willing to say that. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> I'm not throwing it out the window. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but lads, how crazy is it? And this is where we finish the podcast. Do you know who who is shocked that Connacht are nipping at their heels on the table? Is bloody Monster. <laughs> Can you believe that we're nipping at the heels in Monster? And Monster, just let you know if we do overtake it the weekend. We will be unbearable bastards next weekend. Next week, sorry, should I say. We will hold that overuse for... Until he's winning a silverware. Until he's winning a trophy. I was, I was so prepared to be unbearable this week. I thought this was our chance. Be worth the wait, Westy, though. It'll be worth the wait. You know what I mean? We can be we can be bearable for one more week. On the Fekitoa news, though, Westy, you know, he's obviously gone to Benetton, which is going to make Benetton so much better next year again in their class. Uh, but they got, you know, Nankaville, uh, but it's also heavily rumoured they're going to bring in Sean O'Brien, formerly of Connacht, formerly of these shores. I will be absolutely devastated because I know 
when he left, I was kind of trying to be level-headed and explain like, oh yeah, it's it's his career. He deserves to go. He wasn't really getting a look in until after it announced he was moving to Exeter and then he had two or three sensational games. But he's looked the part and he's grown into Exeter this year. He's really, he's getting a lot of game time this year, not as much last year. He played 12 or 13 happily and he's going to add Nagville and Frisch and he's going to add to that that level of centres they have because they've lost Fecto, they lost Goggin and they lost uh, Farrell as well. He's after he's potentially moving or he has moved. So, yeah, I think that they've replaced very well there because you know, losing a player of Fecato's ability was not going to be easy, but we're happy to let him go because of the signings that they can make. No, uh, he's going to be an inside man. He's going to be, Sean O'Brien's going to be working for Cardiff on the inside. He's going to blow it up from the inside. Uh, and that's what's going to happen. So that will. Is, we'll, there, is there potential for all of the provinces to have one? Because Leinster have one in the in the coaching staff. We have we have SB four point zero. Does yeah, Ulster have, have one? Do they? No, they have SB three. Uh, we yeah, we we work it out. We'll work it out. Maybe Sean O'Brien can one point can come out of retirement. Um, he's and, he's in the Leinster coaching staff. Oh, he's Leinster coach staff, is right. Yeah, okay. Uh, we can do both. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. I think we covered everything. It was a jam-packed session, uh, as we did have two weeks to make up for. Uh, we'll be back next week end to recap round 18, uh, which is crazy to say the URC before the final eight, which can't, will be involved, and it just depends where on just the table we are. Before you go, Westy couldn't be more excited to leave. Look, he's out the door. Wes, he's currently standing up, uh, like, at the door, pretty much waiting to go. Like a dog waiting to pee is what he, he kind of looks like right now. I've got and a he, back injury. I have to stand up and show up. He does. Door. And we have been sitting down for an hour and ten minutes. So, in fairness to him. Uh, well, Westy, we'll let you go now. Lads, appreciate it as always. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next weekend. Chatches, boys. Cheers, Cheers lads. <laughs>